This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two fantastic interstellar dimensional human beings, Kara Shamborski. Hey. And Renee Rodriguez. What up? Thank you both for joining me this week. Very excited that you're both here. Really excited, mostly, to talk about comic books, despite my brain being very frazzled about the upcoming New York City Comic Con, which I'm very excited to see Kara for. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask the question that I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Um, I'm doing all right. Um, unfortunately, my uh, me and comics are going through a bit of a rough patch currently. But, oh, no. um, you know, we're... We're starting communication, and there's going to be a bit more attention needing for me to give to comics. So, but I think we're going to get through it. <laughs> Why are you on the rocks, Renee? It's mostly just because there's one. One is I, I just don't have a lot of money to spend on comics at the moment, but I'm you know fixing that. But the other thing is that there's not a lot of stuff out there that has really caught my attention that has like made me want to be like, yes, I absolutely need to read this. And I don't know if whether if that's just because I don't have as many people like uh, Mike Rappin immediately in my life to talk to me about comics and what I should be reading. But I think it's just also just, I don't know, I just, uh, just really haven't found anything that makes me want to read it so, I, I don't know, I don't know the wording. But I, I um, get what you're saying, like there's nothing that's grabbing your eye to the point where you're like, this sounds so cool, I need to have it. Yeah, except for like maybe Invincible, but like Invincible's ending, so I'm also like just torn between it. Um, right, right. But I mean, especially with, you know, Marvel doing their whole secret empire with, you know, Cap being bad, but you know, that has come to its conclusion, I believe, and it's got yeah. all those twists and turns with it. Um, and then this... Just DC has been pissing me off for the last 10 years or so. Um, <laughs> they lost me at Final Crisis. You know, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> Having just recently reread Final Crisis, like, I totally get that. Yeah, uh, that's where all my Ajita about Grant Morrison stems from, too. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, like, I, I always say this with Grant Morrison, um, is that, like, I, he always starts off really well, and then I feel like somewhere around issue three he goes... This is going really well. I wonder what would it be like if I started writing this while on acid. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe I've told this story to Mike, but actually uh, me and a couple kids from comic book club in college met Chris Burnham, who was doing a lot of collaborations with Grant Morrison at the time. We met him at CTE2. Yeah. And I asked him, I was like, what's it like getting a script from Grant Morrison? And he just like took this deep breath and was like, <laughs> he was like, you know, it's really interesting. He sends me something. I do my best guess. I send it to him, and his reply is just close enough. Oh, oh my god! No way. <laughs> but I mean, they've they've done so many collaborations since then. This was like six years ago. So I yeah. mean, the amount of collaborations that they've done, and they've turned out pretty well. So I got you know something's working. <laughs> but yeah. Well, what have you been reading, man? What have you been up to? What have you been reading? I mean, I I know you've been reading some stuff. Yes. Yeah. In in the same vein as me. So I'll let you. Speak to that before I dive into it. Yeah, so along with that, because this jumps actually directly with Grant Morrison, I actually reread Batman and Robin Reborn uh, issues 10 through 13 because I saw that you, Mike, uh, were reading the beginning of that series with uh, Mr. Toad and all that, which I love that series a lot. It's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. Batman and Robin stories. But I really love volumes 10 through 13 because it introduced this character... Oberyn Sexton, who was a detective from England who was a crime 
writer, and then yeah. he's trying to help Batman and Robin figure like find out if Bruce Wayne is alive and where he is. Mm-hmm. But then it turns mm-hmm. out that Oberyn Sexton is actually the Joker, and that he actually went and killed Oberyn Sexton and then buried him with his dead wife that he murdered. And then he was all like the entire ten issues before this were all a master plan of the Joker to help him help have him help Batman realize what Dr. Hurt was doing, which you then find out in the next like issue or two. And I remember going through the through it the first time, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and uh I just reread it and I was like, I still have no idea what's going on. But I'm having a lot of fun reading it. And that's what's important. Yes, that and also in issue thirteen, the way Fraser Irving draws the Joker is one of my favorite things in comics just ever like it's so chilling and perfect and you know i think that grant morrison deserves a lot more credit for that whole ruse of oberon sexton because i really didn't see it coming like i thought i thought oh that was like there's something fishing about oberon sexton but i was not expecting joker and i really really like that i just feel like grant morrison doesn't get enough credit for that i didn't read that run because I've never really been super interested in the more mainstream uh, big two titles like for DC I read so much DC but it was all like you know Birds of Prey and Secret Six and the more like tangential small group books Um, but and I remember at the time when Grant Morrison was doing that whole like Batman is dead long live Batman like (laughs) thing yeah 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 Um, At first, I was like, how dare you? Only Bruce Wayne could be the Batman. But everything that I saw about Damian Wayne just made me love him so so much. At first, I was just like, what do you mean Batman has a biological son? He's got so many, like, other sons and wards running around the place already. Like, what does he need another one (laughs) Mm -hmm. for? Call Child Protective Services, for God's sake. But (laughs) Damian Wayne is such a little shit. He's so great, a character. (laughs) So, like... Oh, like, okay, Grant Morrison, I will thank you for Damian Wayne. Yeah, see, that was what I loved about that series was that, like, you know, Robin was the, like, brooding asshole, and then Dick, and then Batman was like, this is a lot of fun. And <laughs> yeah. I, that's like, what I loved about it. Let's flip some cartwheels, Dick. Let's just go. Well, because, yeah. like, cause, like, Robin <laughs> takes everything that Batman says so seriously, and then Dick's like, dude, I am joking. Relax. <laughs> I, mean, it's just this, this, I think that's the whole fun of the book. That and also they go through some really dark stuff. And it's... Oh, yeah. But And, and that's why I really liked it. And I really liked the vein of where it was going. And then DC was like, nah, we're going to bring Bruce Wayne back and then do this thing called the New 52. And it's going to be awesome. And then it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else have you been reading, Renee? As you know, I love the manga. The manga loves me. We're mm-hmm. we're still going strong. So um, I read the latest chapter of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Part 8, Jojolian. It's amazing. Chapter 69, and that series is by uh, Hirohiko Araki. And he, his genius is beyond our understanding. And I don't put that lightly. This man is a genius. This story is so good. It's absolutely confusing. Makes no sense whatsoever. But I'm... It's so good. It's so freaking amazing, and the art is beautiful. I would say read JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, if nothing for the art, because it's. If so you good. have to sum it up in a sentence, how would you do that? <laughs> I broke him. I think Renee's broken. Um, 
One sentence? <laughs> you can have two. There is a young man who wakes up naked in a town and realizes he has no idea who he is, and through some weird course of action, he gets adopted by a rich family and starts getting attacked by rock humans. And awesome. there's magic. <laughs> All right. That was a, that was a, pr- a pretty tempting summary. Thank you. I've I've seen a lot of promo stuff for this. Like at Midtown, there's a lot of Midtown comics where I go to get pick pick up comics. Like they have a lot of these books, and I'm like, this looks like a really cool series. Is it how many chat? Like how many volumes are there? Tonkobans of this are there? Okay, so JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. By the way, the description I gave you is just for Jojolian, which is the latest part of it. Oh, right. This is a really long-running yeah. series, this right? This series has been running for over 30 years. It's got eight okay. different parts. Each part, you follow a member of the Joestar family, each one of them having the nickname Jojo and the adventures that they go through. And all of them are bizarre and weird, and they all have powers and friends and things like that. And they're all very interesting. Mm-hmm. There's no way to, ex- to explain it easily because each part is different but still connected to the one before it. And I would say, honestly, the easiest way to get caught up on it is to watch the anime. <laughs> okay, okay. Because the, uh, and this is because, because the anime has just come out pretty recently. They finished season four earlier this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so because of the popularity of the anime, they started translating the Tonkobans, or the volumes of it into English, and they're still only on part three. And I think there's three or four volumes of part three out. Um, but it's it goes a lot faster if you watch the anime, and it's also gotcha. really, really fun and easy to pick up. The other stuff that I read was newest chapter of Dr. Stone, which I talked about the last time I was on the show. Absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to get into it, but you should read it. The first three chapters you can read for free on viz.com, and you absolutely should. And yeah, moving right along. That's what I read this week. That's all I'm going to talk about. Cool beans. Kara, what about you? What did you what did you dive into? So, And how have you been? I'll ask that question to you. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, all of the plants and animals in California are different from the plants and animals on the East Coast. <laughs> so that has been my like strangest unexpected culture shock. <laughs> like... Um, like I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that about like moving across the country like that. That is fantastic. <laughs> accurate too. Absolutely like, accurate. I got freaked out the first couple days because I couldn't recognize a single bird. Like all oh, of the birds are different. I don't see sparrows or pigeons or like, you, you don't see pigeons really? Well, not yet. I'm sure they're around here. But like, aside from a stray flock of Canadian geese, I have not recognized a single bird species, and it's freaking me out. <laughs> I'm like, the dinosaurs are different on this side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so I'm, I'm crashing at my cousin's house, and I woke up and I wandered into the backyard. And first of all, like I was living in Manhattan the last couple of years. So the fact that there is a backyard right. is like blowing my mind. And I walk outside <laughs> and there's a lemon tree in the corner that has actual lemons growing on it that you can eat. So I made myself some fresh squeezed lemonade and there's a <laughs> tiny, so cool. there's a tiny orange tree that has like a single orange fruit that I refuse to pick because I just like it being there. And mm-hmm. like in the corner, 
you can't really tell unless you go up to it and look up, but there's a palm tree. And I was like, this is real. This is like a reality for people. (laughs) (laughs) They're like lizards walking around. I don't even know what's going on. Anyway, so life-wise, things are are swell. Uh, Comics-wise, I started my new job and almost instantly started picking out who was a nerd and who wasn't. (laughs) Awesome. So I knew like who and like once people figured out that I was a nerd the nerds like word vomited their nerd cred to me so that I would know that I they were one of one of us (laughs) and it's just like beautiful (laughs) when you realize that someone speaks the same language as you and you're just kind of like "Uh uh-huh 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 because like nerd speak is this totally different language like there's just so many references that are part of the vernacular like for example um one girl at work who is not super nerdy was asking this guy who was talking about how he's getting um, like a, a custom Funko Pop made. What? Yeah, they have them on Etsy or That's something. A, I and, didn't know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And she was like, what's a Funko Pop? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, and so you scheduled a 30 minute meeting so that you can pair a presentation <laughs> i was like i mean <laughs> i mean I, i'm not fond of their aesthetic but like how do you not know about this it's the biggest line at every comic convention i go to <laughs> i was gonna say i was like if someone asked me what is funko pop i think someone i think this happened i was because i turned around i went funko pop is bullshit is what it is but you know <laughs> oh, <Renee. laughs> they're bobbleheads that don't bobble right okay some of them do but not well it's a lie. It's a, a lie. We've let them come over us. Renee. Renee. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, Renee, not a, please. I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of the aesthetic, but I appreciate because the form is so simple that they can make interpretations of characters that wouldn't normally get an action figure version. So I right. do appreciate right. yeah. it. This that. is true. This is true. I'm just slowly okay. becoming a crotchety old man. I'm sorry. It's okay. I think I don't think you're becoming it. I think you're already there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, judging, I'm judging this from talking to you for 10 minutes okay yeah <laughs> so, um so i have been just thinking about wonder woman a lot because i've overheard a few conversations over the past couple of weeks of people just like casually mentioning like oh yeah wonder woman was good and i just like i feel my whole body just like like come alive when I hear that and I just like like I feel like a dog with its ears perking up and I just kind of like turn (laughs) towards them and I just want to be like do you even know how important the thing is that you just said and how important it is that DC actually got this movie right do you even know how important this is to a whole generation of children and people like me who need this so I decided to go and read uh some Wonder Woman stuff and Wonder Woman as a character um, is interesting because DC had no idea what to do with her for the right. entirety of her existence. Basically, every decade she changes entirely. Because, like the in the forties, it was uh, Marston writing her, and it was all like f- like feminist and the bondage stuff and the like. Just very a very unique book. And then in the fifties it they gave it to Robert Kaniger and that's when all like the weird like giant birds and spaceships and like love stories based around Steve Trevor came around and then mm-hmm. like that bled into like the sixties and then like sixties, seventies was like Wonder Woman is mod now and just kung fu and doesn't have her costume anymore. <laughs> and then the eighties was 
Perez coming in and doing the whole like, let's get back to Wonder Woman's Amazon roots and be all like mythological and stuff about it. Although I, I hate the origin story about the Amazons being reincarnated raped women. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like, aside from that, that's usually the mythos that most people think of. And then in the, like the nineties and two thousands, they were just all over the place with her. So like people have an idea of wonder woman, especially because of like the Linda Carter TV show in the seventies. And uh, like, I knew wonder woman from like super friends reruns on TV. And then when uh, justice league was on cartoon network, like that's the wonder woman that, like was my idea of wonder woman. Um, right. And going back to the forties, I think is really important to read the original comics because it's, it, they're just so bizarre and so good. <laughs> like, so I, I have uh, this book in front of me right now. Uh, the wonder woman chronicles volume two. And I've read some of the first issues of the original run um and then these are around issues like eight through ten of wonder woman so which came out like after sensation comics where she debuted so Mm -hmm. it's like marston's a little more in his swing has a little more of the mythology down but it's still very much in the middle of the war so the whole like all the stories are just ridden with world war ii propaganda and like every other page, Diana's talking about buying war bonds and like explaining to the <laughs> right. kids like why they should give their dimes to the war effort. And there's these like horrible, like horribly offensive racist caricatures of like awfully colored Japanese and like Hawaiian spies and really grotesquely drawn Italian spies and mm-hmm. like the Nazis are just there, like Hitler and Himmler and Goebbels are like characters in one of the stories and so for the first like few issues in this book the overarching plot is that uh Aries or Mars is the reason behind World War II and his home base is on the planet Mars where like the dead from wars are enslaved as like enslaved spirits and they go and like work in Mars's factories or are like reincarnated as more soldiers to keep the like the wheels of war going. And he's got like what? Yeah, and he's and that he's sounds got, amazing. Right, right, right. So this is what I'm saying. It's like insane. People should read this stuff. There's like he's got all these henchmen. He's got greed and deception and conquest. And he's like telling them all to go down to Earth and capture Wonder Woman because if she's with America and America wins the war, there will never be war again. So she has to be stopped. And <laughs> that's fantastic. And so they all like yeah. go down to earth in these like spaceships that look like Greek ships, but sometimes they look like legitimate spaceships. And there's like, <laughs> there's so much freaking bondage in these stories. Like so much, like as much as you've heard and then more like slavery and submission are like those words are written so many times in just like the first issue. I was like, how did this get printed? I realized this is pre comics code, but who authorized this? <laughs> who said, let's sell this to children? Like, All right. it's that's, awesome. that's the better question. Yeah. Different times, man. Right. There's uh, an issue where um, greed comes down to earth to try to imprison wonder woman. And he does it by, um, 
making the dean at the college where Etta Candy and her holiday girls are going to school, like embezzle all the funds from the school. So the school has to close down. So Wonder Woman goes to the World Series, which is happening, and convinces the head, like owner of the baseball team that's about to win the World Series to play Wonder Woman and the Holiday Girls in baseball for charity to like keep the school open. And so yes. it basically, it basically <laughs> turns into a league of our of their own, but like with awesome. Wonder Woman and Oh yeah. my god, yes. Right? So <laughs> like everything about this book is insane. Like there's like Wonder Woman and Etta Candy can communicate telepathically and I'm like oh, I need course, this I need course. this in the sequel. And yes. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of like body transference and like going to the astral plane and um, so I don't know if you guys have ever seen the cartoons of Superman in that were done in like the late 30s, early 40s. Oh, yes. Um, those are amazing. Right. So that I love those because those basically revolve around the plot of Superman telling Lois Lane not to do something, but she does it anyway because she's a reporter and she's going to get the story if it kills her. And <laughs> right. so it's a lot of like, him being like Lois no and she's like Lois yes <laughs> so so in so in, Wonder, in these Wonder Woman stories it's like that except it's Wonder Woman being Steve no and Steve Trevor going Steve yes because <laughs> you know he's a he's uh he's working for the war effort he's like a spy he's a pilot very much like you saw in the Wonder Woman movie and he's like constantly going on these missions, but like Mars knows that Wonder Woman is in love with him. So he keeps trying to like use Steve to get to Wonder Woman. And it works every time because every time Steve gets to go on like a bogus mission, Wonder Woman's like, Steve, no. And Steve's like, Steve, yes. Like I must stop the war. <laughs> right. And then he gets captured, ends up on the planet Mars where he's enslaved and Wonder Woman has to go save him through like increasingly convoluted methods that involve lots of slave girls and like impersonating a slave. And I just love it so much that it's essentially the same dynamic that Superman had with Lois at the time, but it's Wonder Woman who gets to be the hero and save Steve Trevor, the damsel in distress. (laughs) And I am just so pissed that they then threw that all out the window in the 50s by being having her be all like Steve I love you and I want to marry you and I wouldn't leave heroing behind but I can't because it's the right thing to do and in the 40s she's just like Steve I don't have time for this there's a war going on but like I also think you're (laughs) central to our efforts to stop it so like I'm going to help you (laughs) and then I think my favorite thing that I saw I've been like tweeting pictures from this because I can't I can't do it alone and um so there's this story where there, where Mars is like, well, I need a new way to get to Wonder Woman. What's the best way to get to women? Like, who is more attractive to me to send as like a seducer? Should I send a Nazi or a Japanese person or like Italian? And so he asked this like slave girl in his information department. And she's like, oh, definitely the Italians. Girls go crazy over dark, oh, handsome God. men with titles. And I was like... You're not wrong, but also no. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, then, um, so they go, 
get this Italian guy to go impersonate a Spanish count. This is so convoluted. He's impersonating oh a Spanish count, and he's got an eight foot tall like boxer with him who is being possessed by like a Mars slave warrior. So their plot is this like the handsome guy with the title will convince Wonder Woman to fight this boxer like in the boxing ring and then somehow this plan will work in terms of capturing her even though the fight is in front of like thousands of people right right so like the handsome count like finds her at this country club where she's trying to get rich people to buy war bonds and he goes up to her and this he he's written with this accent that is neither italian nor spanish so i it's like vaguely french (laughs) <laughs> he's here let me let me this is halfway between this is how it's written <laughs> the most lovely of all aphrodite herself was never so beautiful so it's like kind of french <laughs> and she just goes that's, yeah that's <laughs> and she just goes what is this a movie act <laughs> thank you diana <laughs> thank you for having no time for this like there's yes, a war yes. on come on dude yeah um, wow in short read Wonder Woman is written by William Marston, you will not be disappointed. I mean, you'll be offended by the race, racial character caricatures, but aside from that, like it's pretty amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> I kind of just want Gal Gadot to like make I want them to make like a bunch of like little short clips from those comics with Gal Gadot and I think that would be hilarious just to see them acted out or like Oh yeah. Uh, like I mean, yeah, read them too, but like that would be really funny just to see because yeah. I, I want to see Wonder <laughs> Woman boxing a seven foot tall man. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, for me this week, I, I read a ton of comics, actually. I, I was trying to just clear out my backlog of stuff that it's been sitting in my digital in progress list, as well as the literal physical books that are stacking up on my desk. Um, but I, so I read Rat Queen special Orc Dave because I'm still on the Rat Queen's train. And this issue was really good and also very, very sad. And I did not think that I had feelings for for Orc Dave the way that this book made me feel. And uh, yeah, you should just go read this. If you read any Rat Queens, if you picked up this special, it's going to break your heart in the best of ways. Totally awesome comic. I don't know if I want my heart to be broken over orc david's like something bad happened to him no no no, nothing bad it's like a it's a character growth issue like where you find out some stuff about his backstory and why he's orc dave the orc dave that we know um and it's it's really good like it's a it's a family bond thing and it's really really well done i'm super impressed with the mythos of this world that that curtis yb establishes in this issue as well as the story itself it's very well done um, I will say. Isn't isn't Rat Queens about people playing D&D? No, no. Rat Queens is about a medieval world that is essentially feels like a Dungeons & Dragons game made into a comic. The characters um, are based off of D&D character tropes. Okay. Yeah, I, thought it was, so. I thought it was a group of girls actually playing D&D, but you're following their D&D campaign. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, at least nothing like that has been revealed yet. I don't think that's what it's going to be. Um Anyways, so I, I also read Star Wars Poe Dameron number 18 and 19, and I don't really have much to say about this book other than I like this book, but then I can never bring myself to actually read it, but when I do, I'm really excited about it, and I don't know why that is. Um, is Phil Noto still on art on that book? 
Not anymore. Now, he ended a little while ago. They've got a new artist whose name I didn't write down because I'm a jerk. Um, and he's doing a solid job. He does some very realistic stuff that I enjoy. Um, but this book is it's very back and forth. I don't know how to feel about it because the stakes are always there. But with a, like all these other Star Wars books, it's not like anything bad's going to really happen to Poe Dameron. Because this is a prequel to Force Awakens. I know he's in that movie, so come on. Um, but otherwise, they, they do some really cool stuff. There's... Um, there's a com or there's a a journalist in this book, um, and I know Tia was talking about it in another episode space about how she journalist. wants more space journalism, and yeah, so this book has that, which I think is a really cool plot point. Let's see, I also read Invincible 140, and this was the most intense issue of Invincible to date, and I thought that Robert Kirkman could not top the Conquest series or arc that was in this book, and yet he somehow did. Um, there is a fight inside of the sun. That's all I'm going to say. I really don't want this book to end. Um, sad face. Aww. That's Are they ending it at 150? Yeah, issue 144 is the last issue. So we are coming oh. up to the final issues of this book, and I don't think that my heart is ready for it. Um, it's really going to hurt to see this book end. That's all I can say. I'm just um, upset talking about it. I know. Just... <laughs> I'm just. I'm going to move on before I actually start crying. Uh, so I also read uh, The Punisher number 16, this is the penultimate issue for Matt Horak, who is fantastic on this book. I don't know if this book is ending at issue 17 or not, but um, they're kicking it up 100 notches. The Punisher is finally going to face the foe that is was introduced in the first couple of issues of this series, who has been e- evading him constantly as this book has gone on. And so I'm really excited to watch that fight ensue. They destroyed the, um, the what's that, that thing that goes over the East River... Um, it's the it's like a ski lift thing. They destroyed that in the issue, which I thought was funny. They do a really good job of nailing some of the New York landmarks in this series, or like New York tropes. Um, and as someone who lives in New York, um, I find it very, very fun. Um, but finally, I did read Batman and Robin Volume 1, Batman Reborn. And all I can say is, holy shit, this book is weird, and I kind of like it for that reason. Like, as someone who doesn't read a lot of Batman books, um, this series, I remember I bought it when it first came out not knowing really anything about what was going on in the Batman universe. Little did I know that Bruce Wayne had died. So going back and rereading this book after many, many years, (laughs) yeah, going back and rereading this after many years um, is kind of a treat because I know a lot more of the backstory. And I love the, the, the Tim Drake or what's his name? Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne and and Dick Dick Grayson. Grayson. Yeah. Yeah. Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson interactions are, are fantastic. And the constant, is that is that actually Batman? Is he different? Is really funny. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like this is how other Batman fans must have felt when this book first came out. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to be reading it. Um, otherwise, let's move on. Let's talk about what we're excited for this upcoming week. Comic books come out on October 4th, 2017, right before New York Comic Con. So go buy your books, then go to the con, get them signed by the people who are at the con. Um, Kara, what are you excited for this week? Okay, so... Is this the real life or is this just fantasy? Because DC is doing a Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica miniseries and no one told me. And how is this real? It's like four of my favorite women in comics ever all together. And what I don't even care what they're doing. It could literally just be pinups of all of them like doing homework. I don't I just I don't need a lot 
my bar for this is so low. I just need them all to be together. I'll probably trade weight for this because there's only like six issues and that will just yeah, be yeah. annoying as, as singles. But I am so excited to know that know that it exists and read it and like maybe someone will do knockoff merchandise based off of it so i could have all four of those ladies on like a t-shirt or something so everywhere yes. i go i can be yes. like do you know all of these characters if so talk to me um <laughs> okay and i should clarify i actually don't like harley quinn as a character and she bothers me mm-hmm. a lot but when she's in stories with ivy and the story is the focus of like their friendship and in more recent issues, like their maybe queer relationship, I'm for that. Mm-hmm. It's just like Harley as a character on her own really irks me because of the whole awful like glorification of the terrible abusive relationship she has with the Joker. But with mm-hmm. Ivy, when she's with Ivy, they tend to just kind of ignore the fact that the Joker exists and just focus on them being gal pals who also steal things. Um, so I can only imagine what will happen when they run into Betty and Veronica. Like, I assume Betty will just try to be like telling them to be better people, but also maybe not totally realizing what's going on. And Veronica will probably be like, Ivy, tell me more about this lipstick that you're wearing and (laughs) where can I get it? And maybe and I can make Archie fall in love with me. Really? <laughs> or like maybe Harley and Ivy, like the cover that I saw was Harley and Ivy um, sitting on either side of Archie sharing a milkshake, like that famous shot of Archie, Betty and Veronica. And then the girls kind of like filming yeah. from behind. And I was like, I'm so excited for this book, but please don't make it about Archie. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Like, please oh, yeah, don't yeah, yeah. make this book about a dude. Can this please just be like the cover gag? But yeah, yeah. But like I said, I'm just excited for this concept in general and delighted that someone realized that this should happen. And it's just furthering <laughs> my theory that all the comics universes are, in fact, canonly connected. So, yeah, really, this only adds to your story. Exactly. So, thank you, DC and Archie, for collaborating on this. I kind of want it to, I kind of want them to do like, like be doing homework now. I think right? that would be great. <laughs> like, like, but kind of like the way, like, that. Uh, Edgar Wright shot them doing paperwork in um, Hot Fuzz, but like yeah. Oh, yeah. Harley, Ivy, Betty, and Veronica doing that with homework. I would read the yeah. crap out of that. Like Betty and Veronica are struggling with studying for their bio exam. So Ivy, like who is a like Ivy and Harley, I think are both doctors and like yeah. canonly. So yeah. Ivy just being like, let me tell you about botany. And Harley being like, let me tell you about human physiology and psychology, except maybe she'll also like bring out a cadaver that she just killed and like slice it open so that they could learn about how things work. Just throwing that out yeah. there. <laughs> Renee, what are you excited for this week? Actually, I'm not excited for much uh, because I'm actually I'm excited for a lot of stuff that's coming out in the next two weeks, but not this week, which kind of upset okay. me. And I was like, yeah. I, have, I don't know anything that's... Um, I actually had to scour for this. Um, and surprise, surprise, it's a manga. I'm not doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Haikyuu Volume 16 by Haruichi Furudate. Uh, the series is about volleyball. I've talked about it several times. I love the crap out of this series. It's so good. The art is fantastic. And this is the continuation of the second match between uh, our heroes from Karasuno High School versus... Uh, Aoba Josai, or Blue Castle, as it is translated, which is still very strange to me. Um, but it's this is the best match in the series. It's 
my favorite. It's, it's got the most at stake. It's got the best stuff in it. Even now that in the series they're at nationals, this match is still the best one. And so if you're going to read at least one, I would read this one. But it's exciting. I like it. If you like manga, if you like volleyball, get it. Yeah, this or, series, you know, this series is definitely on my list of things to read. Um, I think after I finish watching Yuri on Ice, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Actually, if you're uh, just going to be – if you're already watching Yuri on Ice, you should actually watch Haikyuu because the anime is amazing. And the okay. company that okay. did it, it's so good. I actually got into an argument with one of my friends who is all about Yuri on Ice. And she was like, look at this animation. And I was like, screw that. Look at this animation. And then it got, <laughs> got way too intense. Um, and I'm not really proud of it. But – Cut to a ten-hour binge session of Renee and his friend eating popcorn and arguing about the animation, and then like being quiet over the very subtle close moments in both series. Nerds. Actually, we were just we were, we were arguing yeah. via Snapchat, so it was even worse. <laughs> Delayed response arguments, uh, but at least then you get your whole bed in before someone else gets right. their bed in. Right. Um, well, for me this week, I'm excited for Astonishing X-Men number four, if only because it's the X-Book that I kind of actually, the X- X-Men team book that I look forward to the most at this point. X-Men Gold and Blue have been kind of um, slacking as of late. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Charles Soule and Carlos Pacheco has in store for this month. I will admit that I am an issue behind because it's been sitting on my desk. It's one of those books that I haven't gotten to yet. I told myself I would catch up on a couple other books before I got to this because X-Men is like a nice warm treat after a solid dinner. So um, it's the next one on my stack and I plan on reading it. So I don't know what's happening in issue three. Issue four is is a total mystery. All I know is that Mystique is on the cover. Um, There's a lot to be said about that, but that's the book I'm excited for. So far, this book has been weird, and I found out recently that it's a miniseries, so I'm a little relieved to have one less X-Men book in uh, eight more months, I guess. <laughs> Is Charles Soule still a full-time lawyer in addition to writing basically every other book that Marvel produces? I think he's a part-time lawyer at this point, because he just did a very big act- literal van-, van tour around the United States. Um, to promote Curse Words, which is the image book that he's doing with Ryan Brown. So I'm guessing he's not doing that much lawyering these days. I just remember when I interviewed him a couple years ago, he was like, yeah, I'm like a full-time lawyer and I'm writing like six books. And it's just like every... And he was just so like casual and comfortable about all of it. And I was just sitting there like, by existing, I am a hundred times lazier than you. (laughs) Just like, he had like this, he's like this magical drive that just makes him motivated and productive at all times. And I'm just sitting there like, I stayed in bed for an hour this morning because I could, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know? For our show this week, we are talking about what it means to be the quote-unquote comic book person among your friend group. Meaning you're the person that when a comic book movie comes out or a TV show is released, your friends come to you and say, what's this actually about? Is this like the comic book? And how does that differ? And so today, between Kara and Renee, we have two very different takes on how that is for them. Um, So I guess, Kara... Do you, or I guess, Renee, you're the person that brought this topic. So do you want to start with explaining kind of where you're coming from with this? Um, not, in, in our notes, we have this, I'm not your comic book Google. Um, what's up with that? Well, how, what are your thoughts and feelings on this? Well, so this started because of in high school, 
I had just gotten back into comics my junior year of high school, and that was right around the time that like Iron Man came out and all the comic book movies were coming out. And so all my friends knew that I read comic books because I brought them to school and stuff because um, of I ended up being at school all the time because of ride situations, and I ended up staying after hours. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do homework. I might as well bring comic books with me and read them. <laughs> yes, like a good student. <laughs> right. I graduated, so what does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so then these movies would come out and my friends would be like, is this like the comics? Did this like happen? And I would be like, well, some of it, yes, some of it, no. And then I would explain. And then I didn't really mind at first, but then it's it carried over into when I was in college where I would be coming home from work or something from like and, and my friends would call me at like 10 at night and I'm like or like at one in the morning because this is back when uh, midnight showings still existed. And they would be like, oh, right. They call me and I was like, what? What's wrong? And they're like. We just watched Avengers. Who was that purple guy at the end? I was like, "Are you serious? This is what you're calling me for?" Yeah, yeah. And they would they it then became this constant thing, where they would even then text me. They're like, "Hey, I'm gonna go see Sp- Amazing Spider-Man this weekend. What time can I call you for my questions?" I was like, <laughs> "Gotcha." I was like, gotcha. "Um, don't. You could just Google or something, or you know." Mm-hmm. But it became this thing where they would call me, and I would have to ex when they were going to call me to ask me all these questions about it. And at first I didn't mind. I was like, you know, I'm glad that my friends are getting interested in comic books. And, you know, I was like, I was like, here, I'll, I'll answer your questions and maybe it'll get them into wanting to read it and stuff like that. But, and this is the part that started to irritate me was that my friends never wanted to read the comics. And because I would be like, oh, you know, it's very different from this, especially when we got into storylines like uh, Captain America Civil War. I was like, oh, the comic is amazing. It's so good. It's gorgeous. The story's really good. And it's very different from the movie. I was like, I own it. Would you like to borrow it? Because it's so much better. They go, eh, no, no, thank you. And it just became this thing where it's like, you're still going to pester me about it to, and you, because you want to learn more about what's happening in this movie or this TV show. Mm-hmm. but you don't want to get to the point where you want to read the source material at all. You just want to keep asking the person that knows. And right. gotcha. it just started to get irritating. And that's where it sort of came from that I was like, you know, I'm not your comic book Google. I am your friend. I will only do this for a point. Eh, Got to draw a line somewhere. And that, gotcha. that was the thinking. Gotcha. And so on the other side of the spectrum, I guess, Kara, you're, you see this as kind of a, like a good thing, like a cool thing? You're into it? Yeah. My, my perspective of it is, you know, uh, I feel like I had Renee, a version of Renee's view for a while where I was kind of like, oh, like, well, if you're interested in the comics, let me get you into that. Or uh, I think we can all agree that this kind of golden age of superhero film that we're in is really the Marvel comics golden age of superhero film. Uh, DC's not really there yet. Um, mm-hmm. And I really had no knowledge, like very little knowledge of Marvel comics. So my intro to Marvel comics was really the Marvel films also. Uh, so for me, that became like a jumping off point for learning about characters. And like, I would go on Google or Wikipedia and look things up and, uh, I realized that, and this is like the cold hard realization that most comic fans come to, which is just 
most people are not interested in reading comics. They'll watch the movie because it's only like two, two and a half hours out of their lives. And it's very attractive people doing very cool special effects stuff. And it's not a lot of time or energy investment, but most superhero comics are very difficult to just dive right into. Like you have to work at it. Like when I was getting into DC in high school, my parents, this was like around slash pre Wikipedia. My parents bought me like the DK, like DC comics encyclopedia. And I needed that thing for every single comic that I read because they're just so obscure and there's so many references and so many characters that you don't know. And it's like, you need to want to put in that effort. And most people just don't have the time and don't have the interest. So for me, when, uh, when my friends who are not into comic books ask me questions about, uh, comic book movies, I really relish those conversations because that's a way for me to share, um, my passion for this thing that I know they're not going to get into, but at least they're interested in hearing what I have to say. And I'd rather it turn into like additional time spent, like talking with them and strengthening our friendship as opposed to just being like, well, you're an adult who knows how to use the internet. Cause like, do we really need to keep giving the robots and the algorithms that much information? Like I can have <laughs> a five minute conversation with you about who Thanos is or who I think Thanos is based on like the two seconds I spent on Wikipedia, as opposed to telling you to do that and have you be like irritated and like not even do it. So I yeah. kind of am coming from the perspective of, I will accept that not everyone is going to be as into comics themselves as I am, but I will talk about it enthusiastically. And maybe if I don't get someone like reading the actual civil war comic, maybe I'll be talking up comics in general so much that I can say like, Oh, like tell me some TV shows that you like or types of stories that you like. And I will recommend a comic that is easy to get into that. I think you'll like, and I've done that for some friends before. And you know, more than half the time they usually come back and say like, this was cool, but I am not a fan of the sequential art storytelling method, which I understand it's not for everyone, but some people are like, Hey, yeah, that was really awesome. I bought the second volume. So for me, it's like the movies are a really great way to just expose people to more comics and not even just the superhero comic movies. But at this point, so many films and TV shows are based off of comic books or graphic novels and most people don't right. know that so for me that's a way to be like hey just so you know that ip is actually a comic book and that can continue the conversation right and so this actually brings me to a, a question i had about all of this is instead of actually recommending someone a comic or saying hey go google it yourself have you found yourselves saying you know you've consumed all this other media that's not necessarily just movies but also cartoons and other other like animated films have you have you guys in any either of these kinds of cases saying hey if you actually want to know more about that character watch this other thing and it'll actually give you more information saying you know if you want to know more about superman or, or or the justice league in general to get prepped for the movie go watch you know some justice league animated movie or the justice league tv show or something like that has that ever been like a thing you'd you'd be do, you'd do to explain a character or say you know go watch this one episode of Batman Beyond you'll get, you'll find out all you need to know about the Penguin. I I this is a very popular opinion, but it's one that I strongly agree with, and not just because 
I grew up in the 90s, but the Batman animated series is Batman. Like, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. Like, that is Batman. So you can show Mm -hmm. me all the Batman comics you want, but unless it was, like, a Darwin Cook masterpiece, I'm not interested. Like, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, I'll I'll read... And, like, I love reading, like, older Batman stuff, and it's, like, all interesting, and he went through all his different eras, not as drastically as Wonder Woman, but he did. But, like, at the end of the day, if someone wants to know more about Batman, I'm telling them to watch the animated series. 100%. I 100% agree with that on just the Batman level. But, um... But yeah, no, the thing is, like, I do tell all my friends that ask me these questions, I tell them to watch all the different shows and things like that, and the only reason that I get irritated is because it's the same four people that talk to me about it, and Mm -hmm. I I tell Mm -hmm. them, you know, watch this, watch that, watch this, watch that, and and I also try to recommend them books that are really simple to get into, that doesn't have a lot of explanation and things like that. Like I try it cause I, I know that they're coming from this place that they don't know. And then it's the, that they're very obviously just ignoring that and just refusing to watch or do anything in response to that. Mm-hmm. That is what is kind of made me irritated because the thing is these people are also some of my best friends. I've known them for 10 plus years and probably going to know them for the rest of my life and all that. I love them to death, but there's this blatant refusal of like, no, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to read that. I'm only going to ask gotcha. you. And that's where the irritation comes from because I, I put in all this work for it, especially uh, uh, when The Walking Dead came around. Um, mm-hmm. To be like, oh my gosh, the comic is so, it's so good. It's so amazing. And, um, and but also with like, Batman and the Guardians of the Galaxy, especially with like all the shows that have come out, all the cartoons that have come out that are like the, you know, kids vitamins for comic books, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And you can be like, oh, you can watch, you don't have to watch all the show, just watch this episode. And you know, and there's all the streaming sites and there's all the, f- like, you can watch free episodes on Hulu and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's all these mm-hmm. ways to watch it. And so I give them, I do give them all those things. And it has worked, I think, a couple times, but it mainly works with just my best friend. But I think that's just because he also likes to read comics and things like that originally. Because like my other best friend, he does it. I, I think he has read, I think maybe like two or three comics that I've suggested to him. Um, yeah, see, that actually brings me to a, another question I was going to say. You know, we're talking about, you know, not wanting to necessarily be that comic book Google for someone, but have there been circumstances where you said, hey, you should actually read this comic and it's worked out? Um, and it's not necessarily maybe even a superhero movie. It could be if you if you liked, for instance, The Walking Dead and you've convinced someone to actually start reading The Walking Dead or, or a plethora of other, you know, movies that or TV shows that were based on a comic. Have either of you had that success? It sounds like, Renee, you have. Yeah, yeah. I have one of my roommates in college. Um, he came to the comic book club uh, a couple times, and he watched The Walking Dead, and he got upset at one of the episodes, and so he, we, me and him talked about it. And I actually got him into reading The Walking Dead. And I, I've also had a couple other friends that got into comics, uh, and you know, they at least read like one comic to understand a little bit more. And and you know, it, it's. But it's it's so few instances. But I'm always gotcha. I'm always like really glad when they do because they're like you're right that was great and I was like 
And I know that sounds that sounds terrible. Like I, I'm only glad because they were like, "You're right," which is not. But it's like I want them to read these stories because they're good. And I hate when they, you know, watch a movie or something like that, and they're like, "Oh, that's so stupid. Why did this happen for it?" And I'm like, you know, I have that same question. But like, you should read this also good story that pertains exactly to something that was in this movie or TV show that I think you would enjoy. I'm. I just. I want you to enjoy this thing. And so that's the whole right. purpose of, of sharing it and wanting to discuss it is like, you know, you, you're both going to be excited about this one thing and you enjoy talking about it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be argumentative. And, um, right. And, you know, so I always think it's great when you can share it with them. And it's a, but, yeah, but I'm kind Kara, of upset that it's only been a few times. Yeah, no, I mean, I can, like, I think it goes back to what Kara said, you know, like you're not going to convince everyone, but I think it's, it's when you do get that one or two or three people, on you know you get him hooked and you're like ah now you're in you're never gonna be able to leave you're stuck with me um that's when it like it's really really meaningful um so i guess Kara, have you had this work out for you um it depends i'm thinking like uh like one of my best friends in in high school i started dragging her to the comic shop with me when i discovered the joys of the local comic shop and like she started getting into comics and like finding stuff that she liked and she ended up going through a phase where she bought like every single Green Lantern title. And this was when Green Lantern was doing that whole like every color gets a ring thing. So there were like a million titles going on. So it was really, really cool to see her develop this like niche interest. And then like I wasn't really reading Green Lantern titles. So then she became my comic book Google about all my lantern questions and like my lantern authority. Um, And (laughs) non, uh, like non- film related stuff specifically but if I feel strongly about a book as like representative of the medium or cool strides that it's making I'll just buy them for people like I've gotten a couple people who are not what who I consider nerds hooked on saga and then they get irritated at the at the monthly and not always monthly publishing schedule and i'm like yeah that's a turnoff but you can trade weight like the rest of us <laughs> um and when lumberjanes came out i remember just being so excited at this new cool story and i was about to go up to like a sorority reunion weekend so i just bought a stack of lumberjanes number one and gave them to like every girl who was there and I got a lot of positive. <laughs> That's yeah, great. and I got a lot of positive feedback from that. They were like, "Oh, this is a really good story." And I was like, "I don't even care if you don't go out and buy more. I'm just <laughs> glad that like you know that it's cool and there's something out there that you like that you didn't realize you would like before." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's I've. <laughs> I've found that just buying comic books for people just, you know, like I usually do it like digitally. I'll buy like a digital copy of a book and or and I'll gift it to somebody and be like, now it's yours. You have to read it because you didn't have to pay for it. Now, if you don't read it, I'm going to feel like you're a jerk. Um, and it's, 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 it's a great way to do it. I mean, I'm not trying to be malicious about it or anything, but um, I think that's like the best way to get someone into it is to to basically erase that border of... of 
um, okay, you have to buy into this thing and just say, you know, I'm willing to stake my own money on this thing um, in order to get you into it. And I think that's that's worked for me a couple of times. Preacher was one of those where um, someone had asked me about Preacher and the TV show, and they were like, what the hell is this? And if you watch this, I was like, oh, yeah, it was a comic before it was a TV show, and it is brutal. And so I gifted them the first volume of that, and now they own the entire series. Like, they went out and bought the rest of the books themselves. Um, it may have been because of a Barnes & Noble sale, but also at the same time, they own all of those physical trades, which I think is super cool. It's very rewarding to see, like, you know, so you, you give someone a comic book and them get hooked like that. I think that's fantastic. That's, like, the best feeling in the world for me, uh, especially, you know, and I think you guys probably feel the same, given how important comics and manga can be in your life in terms of telling stories. It's not just capes in, in general, but, like, in any kind of comic, if it's very important um and then to see someone else like just even slightly get interested into it is is really really cool um because it's like i said when you get them in with one thing like they're hooked and then you can start recommending them all sorts of other stuff and then in five six seven years they're suddenly someone just like you who's very deep into the medium and they need more and they crave it <laughs> yeah and I think, I, the I first think, one's uh, free right yeah right i think i think this, this goes back to what kara was saying right before this where um she's like I don't even care if you read past this or pick it up, but just to know that there's a story that has those things that you like or something that is that connects with you, to know that it's out there or to have read at least one little bit of it, I think that that's really important. That's like the main reason we give recommendations to our friends is because we want them to know that there's something that they will enjoy and to have them experience, like to actually enjoy that, you know? I think that's that's the whole thing about recommendations. No, I, f- I feel very strongly about that as an American comics fan because, like it or not, we're still uh, facing a lot of uh, like preconceived comic book stereotypes of either like comics are like so juvenile and just for children, or probably more now comics are for thirty-year-old mouth-breathing basement dwellers, and it's like so I. I I find it my personal mission to let people know that comics are a medium with lots of different stories. And I do believe that there is the right comic out there for everyone. And so like any opportunity that I get to open up that conversation, um, whether it's from a film or a TV show or just someone talking about that in general, like I, I find that to be like my my mission, my responsibility as a comics fan who wants to see totally. people appreciate the medium. It's like you have to have those conversations. You have to let people know it's not just whatever you think it is. Yeah, I agree. I kind of wonder though, like, do you think that there would ever be a point for you though, where like you have, you keep having that conversation with one person and they keep saying, no, I'm not like specifically, no, I'm not going to read that. No, I don't want to do that. No. Do you think it would, you would ever stop trying after a certain point? Uh, I don't know if I would feel strongly about that for comics, but if someone that I was really close friends with, uh, was refusing to read the Harry Potter books, but just watch the movies. Like I would, I I don't know that I don't want to say that would question the friendship. I I don't want to say that would be friendship crushing, but like you can spend five hours to read the first volume and decide if you like it or not. Like, I don't know. My, 
So when I was growing up, my parents had this rule in our house where like if they serve something new for dinner, like even if it looked weird to you, you had to have like one bite. You had to try it before you pass judgment on it. And I've kind mm-hmm. of carried that over into different media also. Like I have to try it to know if I'm going to like it or not. So if people are just like, no, that's not for me. I'm like, but you don't know that. Like you need to at least try, like read a chapter or two. Help me out here. Mm-hmm. See, right. that, that's exactly what I'm talking about with this. Uh, Cause I was actually going to use the Harry Potter reference earlier, but I thought, uh, I don't know <laughs> if Kara reads Harry Potter. Oh, dude, you, oh, you, were, life you were with friends. You're with family. It's Harry fine. Potter, all right. That's not <laughs> so, an understatement. Yeah. So, but that's, but that's what it's like, specifically with one person where I've had this conversation because like we talk about all the Marvel things and I recommend comics to them and, you know, just kind of offhandedly and, but it's been a, an absolute direct refusal. No, I'm not going to do that just over and over and over again. Uh and it's and the thing is, comics are more are about as important to me as I'm gonna assume Harry Potter is to you. Not that I don't like Harry Potter, but that's a discussion for okay. another time. People, people, um, people what a Slytherin thing to say! No. I'm a Gryffindor. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Although that's a funny joke, because my friend was took the Pottermore quiz and he was like, "Guess what house I have?" And we were all like Slytherin. He's like, "I'm a Ravenclaw." Why does everyone say Slytherin? And then my mom was like, "This tell, is now a Harry Potter like, tell fan him. podcast." She was like, "Tell him I'm a Slytherin." And I was like, "I had a few yeah, friends who had major <laughs> identity crisis breakdowns over where they got sorted in Pottermore." <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Understandable, but at the same time, like I mean, you grow, you know, because like they probably took the test when they were older, and that is different from when mm-hmm. you're a kid, you know. So you're obviously yeah. going to look at the questions in a different way. I think so, we're getting off topic here. No, no, it's okay. I, I <laughs> wanted to no, actually fine. go back to um, the Marvel uh, movie universe real quick because, like I said, that seems to be like the huge thing that a lot of this conversation is centering around. And oh yeah, uh, for me and my friends who are on various levels of nerddom, I find that the stuff that we're sharing the most is not actually comics because the comics are just so different from the films. There's no point. Like, like I remember when Iron Man came out and I was just totally blown away because I loved everything about it. And so I went to my comic shop and was like, I'm going to get my first Marvel title. I'm going to get Iron Man. And they had a comic that had a cover that was a still from the film. And I was like, Oh, that looks like a good starting point. And it was this Iron This is the one. Yeah. And then yeah. it was like this Iron Man story. And I remember it so vividly because I was like, what the fuck? Because it opened with like Tony Stark having sex with this random attractive woman. And like then it was like the morning after and Pepper Potts walks in to like get him out of bed because he has a meeting or whatever. And he's like talking about how like this woman that he was sleeping with had on like something like a, like a crystal or like diamond studded thong or something. And then like at the end of the conversation, Pepper just like turns around and like casually mentions that she gets all her thongs in like a three pack from target for 1499. And, you know, I was like, you know, late teens, like pretty much feminist my whole life. And I was reading that and I was like, what? this isn't like the movie. Like what is going no, on? Right. And then it like by the end of the issue, they, I think they had started kind of being like, Hey, film fans, this is a great starting off point. But by the end of like 
the third issue in that arc, they were like, and we're in the Marvel Universe, and here's all these characters that you've never heard of before, and you need to know about them or else you won't understand the story. And I'm like, come on, can't you make anything accessible? And so for me, for like the Marvel stuff, uh, a lot of it was me and my friends um, reading and sharing fan fiction based off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like character Uh. interpretations. Like, even just the other day, one of my friends sent me, um, like, a Captain America fanfic. And it's like, I, you know, especially with what Marvel's doing with Cap right now in the comics, like, I have no, I have zero interest in Captain America comics. But send me uh, fanfiction based off of the Captain America that Chris Evans so perfectly portrays. Like, yeah, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that because it's like... (laughs) That's a story about the character that I know, and it's in the context of the universe that I know, and I don't have to know a million characters because it's going to be written based around, like, it tells me, like, which characters are involved, so I know, like, who to expect, and it's probably going to be people that I know from the movies, so that's just, like, a more accessible entry point is, like, those kinds of stories, as opposed to just being like, well, I guess I'll try the comics now and not know who anyone is. (laughs) Right, right. Right. Well, what? So there's your answer, Renee. Well, Just hold turn on. to fan hold fiction. Hold on. One, I still don't believe that Target would ever sell a three-pack that low. Just doesn't sound like them. It sounds like you it's need to go be. on okay. an investigative trip and report back. I mean, that's just so that's <laughs> yeah. so cheap. I mean, under especially nowadays with inflation, underwear is so expensive. It's a whole thing. I'm really upset about it. This but. was the mid-2000s. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's got like, it's gotten out of hand and also like it's become a joke now that i like it's target fiction. target thinks they're fiction. so fancy that my family first of them is target yeah it is target like, you're still you're still a supermarket like relax no it's target it's but, beautiful like yeah <laughs> i mean they do great like design collaborations all over the place they're they are an elevated brand <laughs> Right, goodness. They have a food court in their in their thing, and a Starbucks now. Whatever. Also, anyways, wait. No, since you brought this up, no, I feel like I have to share with you that um, the the you reason- started this, Renee. I know <laughs> this is your. Moment. I just got so I got so sidetracked when she brought up the Target thing. No, 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 like, no. no. Oh. Um, the reason that like underwear and lingerie are so expensive just constantly is because it's one of the few garment genres that you can't mass produce by machine. Like all of that has to be done by hand. So if you've seen like Orange is the New Black where um, the season where the girls are like essentially working in the prison sweatshop to like stitch all those panties, like that's real. You have to have a person doing all that because machines are just not at the point where they can do all that, which is why undergarments are just constantly more expensive than you think they should be. No, that makes sense. I mean, my my mother was a seamstress for like twenty years, so I was like, I understand the whole thing, but it's it's just outrageous. I think it's crap because everyone needs underwear. Anyway, getting back to comics, everyone. Getting back to the comics and and the fan fiction thing. That's actually why I would tell everyone who watched the movies to start reading the Ultimate Universe, which is why I think it's an absolute shame that Marvel got rid of them. Because, uh, and I've always said this, that Captain America in the movies is ultimate cap in 616 um, storylines. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's that same personality where he's the good soldier, but at the same time he still questions everything that the um, leaders are doing. Because in 616, Cap was a total soldier. He's like, nope, that's our orders. Let's do it. Let's do this. But there's also still like the moral background in there, but it's not as strong in the movies. 
But in 616, he questions everyone, everything, all the time. And then he, there's also just this amount of guilt and questioning that he has. So you sort of have... And Tony Stark is also very similar to the movies in Ultimate, or at least he was. Yeah. And Yeah, um, I mean, but... Yeah, unfortunately that's all gone. But the, all the books still exist, and they're they're pretty stellar for the most yeah, part. Yeah, and also they, they slowly introduce the bigger uh, characters to you, and then they also do crossovers with the other Ultimate books. And anytime that there's a crossover, they're not just like oh, it's this random person that he knows. They always introduce the characters to the audience because uh, Ultimate was meant to be like, hey, here's an easy way for people to get introduced to these characters that we already have and already have a popular following, but in case they don't know, here's an easier way to do that. And so, I mean, I think, while I think the fan fiction that you were talking about, Kara, is a brilliant way, I think that also the ultimate is ultimate comics were a great way for people to watch the movies and still find the characters that they loved exist and also have just an easy way to get into them. And one day DC will figure it out too. Um, <laughs> um, I guess I just need them to keep not screwing up Wonder Woman, and that'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, so okay, let's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this episode right here before we go into any further discussion about underwear. Um, <laughs> as strange as a somehow we got off onto that tangent, and you know what, I'm very happy that we did because we got an episode title out of it. So <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this. Uh, Renee, where can IRCB takes it all off. <laughs> yeah. uh, Renee, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on the Twitter uh, at Rodriguez29. Um, so, you know, anytime you have any questions or just, feel, you know, if you have any angry tweets, you can tweet at me. I'm yeah. Most and if you follow Renee, he tweets until the early morning hours about anime, if you're into that. Yeah, and, and manga, because sometimes I'm a night owl, and sometimes I just will find a new series or I'll reread an old one. Like um, my favorite series, Hikaru Nogo. I did a whole spiel about that not that long ago. Yes. Uh, Kara, where can we find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter at K-A-R-A-S-Z-A-M. And on Medium, I will shortly be restarting my Riverdale recaps at medium.com slash at K-A-R-A dot S-Z-A-M. It's great stuff, folks. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mike Rappin. You can also find me on Medium at, at Mike Rappin, where one day I will pick up my X-Men questions. I promise, Renee, I will get back to them. Um, just catching my brain up. Maybe right after NYCC, I'll be inspired. Um, you can also follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter, um, where we retweet things and post random stuff. Um, we've got a Q&A this month on our Goodreads group with Matt Horak, um, who is the artist on The Punisher. He was also on an episode of our show. He's a super cool dude. Um, we also post polls on the weekend, and I only bring up the Goodreads thing because I just tweeted about it this afternoon, and I thought, you know, we should mention that, because he's there for the whole month of October, so go ask him some questions about the comic industry. Uh, you can also check out our Goodreads group, like Mike said. Uh, we do weekly threads about comics, and we also do a monthly book that we then talk about on our show. And we just have fun discussions in general, and that is moderated by the wonderful Kate Scotchless, uh, who does more things than we could ever know about with the Good Youth Group. So check that it's out. totally true. <laughs> and you can also, don't forget to check out our website, ircbpodcast.com, where you can check out all our wonderful shows and things. Yeah, please rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about us, and email us. Our address is ircb at destroythesibe.org, which is 
if you take out the dot before the org is destroy the cyborg <laughs> to help you remember that better <laughs> and please reach out we love talking yeah. to you yeah um you can also if you if you're so lucky you may be able to run into me and kara at nycc this upcoming weekend so if you're around let us know Reach out to us on Twitter and maybe we'll come find you. Um, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe and they do the music for our show. We love them to death and we cannot thank them enough for letting us, letting them use their, letting us use their music. Words are hard. Uh, Xander is a wizard. He is a high priest of the Skycloud universe, but he also edits our show. He's a fantastic magical man and he's doing stupendous work. Uh, finally, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. And as a final note, we have a Kickstarter coming up. It's not announced or posted anywhere yet, but it is coming very, very soon. Look forward to that. We'll have a ton of information, hopefully next week, about when that should be released. So get hyped. I'm hyped. I hope you're all hyped. But until next time, we will check you later. That phrase makes no sense, by the way, what it's I just okay. said. Until next time, we'll You're check fine. you later. But I say it every check week. Check you later. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's how I should have signed it off. Okay. Uh, let's, um, can you guys hear that? Yeah. yeah. What was that? Just catching up on... I bought a bunch of manga on, I think, Wednesday or something. No, it was last weekend. Because, like, Barnes & Noble had, like, a 30% off. Or, no, it was a 20% off if you had a membership. So it was like, I was like, oh, that's just $2 off whatever I buy. Mm-hmm. I will buy whatever I want. Um, and then, like, I think this weekend they're having a buy two DC trades, get one free. And I'm like, I shouldn't spend $20 for a free book. Mm. But I want to. <laughs> so I might probably end up going to be in Barnes and Noble later today. Mm-hmm. But such is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just have so many tr- like backlist trades that I just keep looking at and I'm like, I should read those before I buy new things and then like not reading them. So like my goal is to actually read those before I start getting more into like current comics and being more on top of things. Yeah, I think that's the nice thing about not being up to date is that like you can get through all the trades and stuff that you own. Like I've read every single trade that I own at least five times. I wish I could do this. You guys are living a nice life where you don't have constant books pouring in on you and you feel the pressures of everyday life of feeling like you need to be caught up. Well, You got all these other books in your backlog and you keep buying the trades. You're telling yourself, (laughs) oh, I'm going to read all these trades one day. But the books keep coming in every week. I know. You got five, six, ten books. Well, Mike, this is... (laughs) Well, Mike, just just become poor. Just become poor and then don't be able to buy comics for two years. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mike, just lose your job (laughs) for a year. That's easy. (laughs) Or even four months because, you know, things get pretty desperate within the first one. And then the next three, you're just kind of wondering how you're still surviving. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to just totally interject. No, 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 it's okay, Mike. No, it's, it's you know, it, like, I I miss being current in a lot of ways, but also it's, there's, like, so little pressure because, like, being 
out of the comics industry, it's like, oh, right. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter if I'm crying <laughs> with everything. It's okay. Well, I, think, I think what's something that I, I've come to realize, I think, over the last year or two is that um, not a lot of people are up to date. Like, a lo- like it's very, like, some people will pick, like, one or two books where they're like, I gotta read this every month. But they're also buying a ton of other books and just, like, they, like they're like they not up to date because who, who really cares at the end of the day? Yeah, this at is, least, I don't know, that's the, that's the feeling that I've gotten. Yeah, this is why I'm excited that you put me on the Fixed Comics episode in January because I'm just, like, I have so many issues with the monthly thing and the whole, like, pre-order thing and how a book's success is determined by its pre-orders. It's such a shitty system, and most people want trades, so just fix the model comics. Yeah, yeah. 